Okay, so let's get right to it. Yesterday was Daf Samachtes number 69, and today is Daf Ayin number 70. We're going to get straight to... First we'll do the review, then get to today's Daf. And we are learning... Um, for Rafur Shleim at all who need it. Okay. And for the continual health of everyone here. Okay. All right. So where did we begin yesterday? We started uh, six lines down on Daf Samach Tes Amud Aleph. And the question is regarding Munbaz. So just to uh, go, do a quick uh, recap about um, uh, regarding Munbaz's uh, position. What does Munbaz hold? Okay. Munbaz um, is the one who said on Daf Samches, he was the one who said that, uh, that because Shogig and Mezid are compared to each other, there is, there is, in order to be a Shogig, there has to have been a Yidiya, a knowledge at some point in time. Not only that, says Rabbi Kiva, let's say that you even have knowledge now. So Munbaz says, that's absolutely great. That's a, that's a beautiful thought. So Rabbi Kiva says, then why is it not amazed? I mean, you know, take it to the end. And obviously there's a difference between Shogun and Amazed. So what are you doing? Anyway, that was Rabbi Kiva's argument. But Munbaz stuck to his guns. Now the question is, what is Munbaz's pshat? Why does he consider it a Shogun? In what way? How can you say you know that you're doing something wrong and still be considered a Shogun? So the Gemara explains that Munbaz holds that it's still a shogig, even if I know that I'm not allowed to do this, I know that it's wrong for me to do this, so the Torah says not to do this, but I didn't know that I would have to bring a carbon if I do this. That's called a shogig. I had no idea. So I, so therefore, it qualifies as a shogig in that sense, in that sense, and that's called a shogig. Okay, the Chacham disagree. They say, Shigas carbon lo shmashgaga. Now, what would the rabbi say is the qualifies as a shogig? So it's actually we saw Rabbi Yochanan who says that the talking the case here is is that it's shogig only in the currents. What do you meaning? Even that would qualify as a shogig. Meaning, if I know that this thing is not allowed in the Torah, that I'm not allowed to do this, and I still do it, but then you say. Um, but 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 you say but there's a you know this courage for doing that he says really I, that I didn't know, so in that sense says Rabbi Yochanan that also qualifies as, qualifies that as a shogik, and that's the case over here. That's what Rabbi Yochanan's Rish Lakish says that no, in order to be a shogik you have to also not have known about the love. Okay, meaning you didn't know that you can't that the Torah says don't do this. That's the key thing in order to qualify as a shogik. Okay. Now, um, now that being said, even Rish Lakish, if you recall from Daf Samaches and Rabbi Yochanan, obviously and Munbaz, they all are saying that if they if the person never knew he was a tinuk shenishba, then there's no carbon at all. The only thing Rish Lakish is saying is that is that he had to at once at one point in time known about the slav. And he forgot about the lav, okay? But according to Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, even if he still knows about the lav, he just doesn't know about the kares, that sense, in that sense, it's still a shogig. And Munbaz takes it the farthest, that even if it's, uh, even if he just didn't know that there's a carbon attached to it, 
that also qualifies it as a as a shodik. Okay. So Rava says, where does Rav Shimbalakit get his shita from? Um, so the puzzle says that Shalotya Sena Vyashim that the that implies that Shogik requires the um the, the Lota Asena. He had to have lost the fact that it's a Lota Asena, that it's something that shall not be done. He forgot about that. But if he still knows that it's Lota Asena, then you can't really call it a Shogik. Rabbi Yochanan, what does he do with the Pasuk, this Pasuk? Because he says that you don't need to uh, uh, have forgotten the fact that it's not that it's not allowed to be done, that it's prohibited. So uh, what he does with the Pasuk is the Brisa, it says, Me'am-Aretz tells you excludes a mummer. Okay, and that's what he excludes um, because a mummer is somebody who um, it doesn't matter what the Torah says. He'll do it anyway. And so therefore, that person does not bring a carbon. So even though he were, so in other words, the severity of Kares is not making, uh, not having a factor at all. And it's sort of like the next line, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar explained the name of Rabbi Shimon, that when the Pazuk says, Ashalot Yosen of Hashem, you have to have Shav Midi Aso, that if it, what, what's missing from my knowledge was granted to me, I would not have done it. That's the key thing, and even that Rabbi Yochanan agrees to that as well. Rabbi Yochanan just says that even if I knew it was wrong to do, it was a lav in the Torah, but I didn't know it was Kares, I also... Had I known that it was Karis, I would not have done it. As opposed to a mummer, which is that, you know, Karis, bring it on. I don't care. I'm willing to do it anyway. So that's the difference. And that's the that's the shot in Rabbi Yochanan, how he darshans the Pasuk. Okay. So we saw, quoted, we quoted the Mishnah that the Abbas Malachas is our bomb, Chas Achas, it's 40 minus 1. And the Gemara asked the question, why do you need to give the count? Why is it just list them? And well, obviously we can do the counting ourselves. The answer is... Because it's uh, Rabbi Yochanan explains that if a person did in all all thirty nine melachas behelam achas with one error, so then you'll be high for each and every one. So the so the ba- maximum amount if it, with a full fledged transgression of every of every aspect of Shabbos, you will have to bring a grand total of thirty nine chatos, basically an entire pen full of chatos. Okay. Um, and that is uh, that. That's the story. Now the question is like this. Yes. Yes. What are you asking? Yes, but the point is, even so, as we saw earlier, the only let's say I do the av and the tolda. I still only bring one carbon for both the Av and Tolta because it's all part of that umbrella of the Av Malacha. You understand? So that's why I said 39 because even if I did, you know, I did maybe a thousand different prohibited activities on Shabbos, it doesn't matter because the maximum it can be is 39 because there's only 39 primary categories of work that are prohibited on Shabbos. And if I do, even if I do full transgressions, that's the maximum number of carbonas I can bring for one single Shabbos. You follow? That's why we say 39. Okay. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Let's analyze this. According to Rabbi Yochanan, it's possible to know all about Shabbos. Because remember, 
In order to be chayav for each malacha, you have to have a zadon of Shabbos. You know it's Shabbos, but I didn't know. It's shigigas malachas. I, I forgot about the malachas. So what does it mean, shigigas malachas? Rabbi Yochanan has a very easy interpretation of what shigigas malachas qualifies as. If I didn't know the severity of all the malachas, even if I knew that all of them were prohibited, that's sufficient to elevate it to a level where I'll be chayav to bring a korban on it. So in other words, I know that I'm not allowed to do all 39 malachas. I did all 39 malachas, and it's still a shogun, because I didn't know how severe all 39 malachas are, that they're even prohibited to a level of karis. So that actually makes sense. I understand, that. then I understand the meaning, what it means, that I, that I know about the ikar of Shabbos, because I understand that malachas are usher today. However, the question is, according to Rish Lakish, who says that in order for it to be a shogeg, I have to have not I have to also not be aware of the negative prohibition. So the question is, in what way does this person even know that it's Shabbos? It's a meaningless thing when every single malacha he thinks is permitted. So why do you call it a Shabbos? That's the question. And that's why it's like it's like in what way are you aware that this is a Shabbos? That's the question. On which Lakish and the Gemara explains a very interesting answer. First answer is that uh, there is a specific area of halacha, that of Shabbos, that he's aware of, and that is the going out of the Tchum on Shabbos. That's the one that he knows. And therefore, that's called knowing Iker of Shabbos. He knows that you're not allowed to walk 2,000 Amas outside the city limits, which is, and he's going according to Rabbi Kiva, that holds that that's a Deoraisa, that's expressed in the Torah, it's in the Torah, according to Rabbi Akiva. And that is the what he is familiar with. The drasha, where we learn all 39 malachas, that's what he doesn't know. But at least he has a concept of Shabbos, and the concept of Shabbos is manifest, at least in that one area. Okay? Um, anyway, very interesting. Now, the Gemara says, okay, so, um, we ask the question, who's the Tana of this upcoming quote? The case is that if you have a shokig of both, I didn't know that it's Shabbos, and I didn't know that Smolach is prohibited, and I did it. So um, that's for sure a shokig. That's complete shokig. He doesn't know anything. He forgot both Shabbos and Malacha. He did it. It's a full-fledged shokig. Got it. If he was mazed in the Shabbos, he knows that it's Shabbos, and he was mazed in the Malachas, I know this Malach is also, and I do it anyway. That's the mazed on Rebbe So the case is of the extremes of both parts being shogig, the fact that he knows that it's Shabbos, that he forgot that it's Shabbos, and he forgot that this is a, a malacha, that's a surah Shabbos, and he remembers that it's Shabbos, and he remembers that this malacha is a surah Shabbos, those two are easy to understand. That's fully a shogig, that's fully amazing. Now, what if he forgot, it was shogig b'shabbos, meaning he forgot that it's Shabbos, but, it's been malachas, but he's doing a malacha that he's well aware that it's forbidden on Shabbos, or the other way around, he is, um, okay, he is, his shogig on the malachas, I did not know that this malach is actually forbidden on Shabbos. And he was amazed on the fact that Shabbos, but he was very well aware that today is Shabbos. Or he says, I know that malacha is aser, but I don't know that I'm chayv a korban for malacha, or not, so then I'm going to be chayv anyway a korban chatas. So who is this quote going like? Only like Munbaz, because Munbaz is the only one who says that a carbon works that way.
comes along a bayon and says that when it comes to interesting qualifier, when it comes to shvuas bitoy, so then even Rabbi Yochanan would agree that you do not that you do need to have forgotten the fact that it's negative about the negative prohibition. Um, because and the Gemara says um, that's this hakol modem is coming to include Rabbi Yochanan. The question is that's completely obvious because Rabbi Yochanan said that. He qualifies as a shogeg even if I didn't know that it's a kares. Well, that works very well by things that have a din kares. But uh, shavua, somebody who swears falsely by shavua's bitoy, meaning he's saying I will not eat today and he does eat. So that's a sh- he has to have forgotten that he said that he will not eat. Now, if you're going to say that he remembers it, but what do you forget the kares? There is no kares for breaking your oath. So what are you talking about? So obviously it's obvious that Rabbi Yochanan only requires or considers that having forgotten the severity that it's kares if, it's, if it exists. If it doesn't exist, the forgetting of it doesn't really count. That's what Gemara says. It's too obvious. So Gemara says actually there's a chiddush here. Because what it could be is that maybe in this he would agree with Munbaz that I, even if I realize that I, I said I won't eat today and I'm eating... I, uh, and and I know about it, that still might qualify as a shogun because maybe he doesn't know that, it, that there's a carbon on it. Now, even though carbon is not enough in Rabbi Yochanan, in normal, in normal circumstances, that's because carbon is a normal outgrowth of every case where there's karis. Shavuos bitoy is unique in the sense that it's the only kind of lav, that's just a plain lav, that has actual carbon attached to it, even though it's just a plain regular, regular negative prohibition. And therefore, maybe there, the, the fact that he didn't know about the carbon is enough to qualify it as a shokik in its own right, in, in this exceptional case, according to, even according to Rabbi Yochran. And that's what they tell you, no, Rabbi Yochran does not accept carbon, even in that case. A shigigas carbon is according even in that case. Okay. Next thing we saw is, Kumari uh, asked a question. He said that shigash was bitoy, so we know that there's two cases of Shavuos uh, Bitoi. There's I will eat in the future or I will not eat. That's future, positive or negative. And then there's um, past. I did eat or I did not eat. Okay? So what is the case of Shogeg by, uh, by its past tense? Because it's very hard to have a Shogeg. Shogeg means that I knew at one point I'm one point in time and I forgot. So now, if I make a note, I did not eat this food yesterday, and then then it's one of two things. Either I completely forgot that I did, then it's an onus, and it's not a shogig. Or I'm willful, and I'm aware that I did, and I'm lying. Then it's mazed. How do you have a shogig on past? Very good question. Um, shogig means, it's like in between a mazed and an onus. Forgetting that I even did do the act, can't qualify as a shogik. So what is the case? He has to say, I knew about that I made the shua, and I knew that it's forbidden, but I didn't know if I'm chayv a korban or not. So who could that quote be going like? Only Munbaz. Okay, obviously, it only makes sense like Munbaz. Okay. Um, that brought us to the next thing, that uh, just like uh, there's an exception for shua, there's also an exception for truma. By truma as well, I'm not chayv a korban by truma, but I'm chayv a chomesh. If I eat truma as a non-kohen, inadvertently, bishogik, I'm going to be chayv to 
pay that back to the coin, and then some, and then give an extra fifth on top of that. So whatever its value is, I I give pay that to the coin and then add on an additional fifth, which we consider, which is hundred twenty five percent. That's what we call a fifth. Okay. Uh, it's okay. So the question is, um, what? So the question is, uh, how, so Abai says when it comes to truma, everybody would agree. Everybody would agree that I'm not chayiv to add on a fifth unless I'm shogeg in the lav. I didn't realize that this is truma. I have to not be aware of the lav, at least that this is uh, prohibited to eat because it's truma. Okay, um, that's what you have to say. Now, who is this going? Obviously, coming to include, it's coming to include Rabbi Yochanan, who normally says that kares qualifies. But uh, the question is, and that again obvious because there isn't just like there's no kares. Like by the Shvuas Bitoi, so it obviously can't be what your Shogeg is in, isn't something that doesn't exist. So to here, there's no Kares by Truma. So it can't be something that doesn't exist. So the Gemara explains that, uh, that there is a Chidush here, because it could be that when you think about it, there's a parallel. Truma, all, true, doesn't have a Kares to attach to it. That might be true. Truma does not have a Kares attached to it, but it also. Um, uh, but 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 it has something else which is similar to kares, which is misa shamayim, and it's true that tru- that truma doesn't have a karma, but it does have something else that's been kind of carbon that counts that's similar to a carbon, which is the adding of the fifth. So therefore, you might think that maybe Rabbi Yochanan would say that even if it was a shogeg, not in the not in the kares, obviously because it doesn't exist, but he didn't know that there was misa shamayim that would qualify as a shogeg, and then I would still have to pay the extra fifth. In order to be, you know, because it, again, when you eat truma b'mezid, you don't add a fifth. When you eat truma b'shogeg, you do add a fifth. So what qualifies as a shogeg? Maybe the fact that I didn't realize it's misa b'deshmaim, even though I knew it was asr and I knew that it was truma, that would be enough to be chayv to add on a fifth. That's what we're saying is, no, not true. You have to have not known that it was asr. Now, what about... Um, Rava actually said, uh, he argues, and he says that in fact... It does parallel perfectly that Rabbi Yochanan would say over here that if I knew that it was not allowed to be eaten this truma, I knew this was truma, and I know I'm not allowed to eat it, and the and and, and but I didn't know this misim b'deshamayim, then I will still that's called a shokik, and I will still have to add on the fifth because the chomish is the same as parallels to the korban, and that is the end of that section. Brought us to Rav Huna. so Rav Huna says. This is a, a, a brand new case, very interesting. A person who is traveling and in the desert, he has no sense of time, no sense of anything, and um, he doesn't know when Shabbos is. He lost track of the day, of the day of the week. So um, when he is made aware of the fact that he realizes that he doesn't know, so you count six days, and the seventh day you keep as your Shabbos to maintain the concept of Shabbos. Okay, now we'll see what that means. Happens. So that's first opinion. Uh, then we saw that's Rav Huna's opinion. Rav Chir Barav said, "No, it's the other way around. Actually, you take you make the first upcoming day your Shabbos. So whenever you realize that was, that's basically a Friday, the next day is your Shabbos, and then you count six days after that, and then the following will be Shabbos again." Where did they get their opinions from? So we saw Rav Huna says that it goes by the Bria of the Olam. The Bria of the world. The Bria of the world was six days work, then Shabbos. 
And God rested on the seventh. So we start from the first to go to the seventh. How does Chibarav uh, say? Chibarav says, no, you, you, we are like Adam Arishon from the day he was created. He was created on day six. So he came to Shabbos. The following day was Shabbos. And then after that, he went to six days of the week. So that's the same exact way that when you don't realize, you basically came to the world like Adam Arishon. Now, Psaq HaLacha, we saw that the Gemara basically disproved Chibarav. Um, because we quoted that it doesn't really fit into the text. It says that for, that if you don't realize where you are, you have to, uh, there's one Shabbos for every six days. And, um, and uh, we said it doesn't fit in the text well according to, it doesn't read according to Chibarav. And also there's a price that says Beferish, that you count six days and then you keep one day. It's basically a Tiyofta to Chibarav. And that was the, uh, that was, we rejected his opinion. Now, Rav says, what does it mean keeping Shabbos, not keeping Shabbos? It says every day, basically, you can't, you still have to be choshesh that today might be Shabbos. So therefore, what you were only allowed to do is limited malacha just to what you need to do, the bare minimum to survive. Basically, whatever is legal for Kuch Nefesh purposes, that is what you're allowed to do and nothing more than that. So I cook exactly the amount of food that I need just for that day. I prepare everything that I need just for that day. Whatever it is that I need for that day, that's all I'm allowed to do, nothing more. And I don't have anything for the following day. And each day I do just the bare minimum. So that is what Rava says to do. Um, and, uh, well, and and he says, but the, that day that we're making Shabbos, you don't even do that. So the question is, is that if I'm doing just the bare minimum, that means I'm not going to have anything for Shabbos. Because I'm doing the bare minimum every other day. If I'm doing the bare minimum every other day, then what am I supposed to do? Die on Shabbos? Is that the is that we telling me I need to do? So no, that is not what it means. So so he says no. What you would do is on the day before you're going to cook double, and this way you'll have a Shabbos. So I'm doing extra on the on my quote unquote Friday. I'm cooking more than I need so that I have for the Shabbos. So the Kamara says. That's very good if your count is right, but we should. There's a one in seven chance that what you think is Friday is really Shabbos, and then you're going to do even a worse thing because you're pre- you're preparing on Shabbos. Uh, you know, you're preparing more than your bare minimum on Shabbos, and that's uh, that's uh, that's transgression of Shabbos. So why is that a good idea? So the Gemara says you're right. Well, what in other words, we're amending what what the deal is. What we're saying is that day. Um, it, every day you do just the bare minimum, including what, the day you consider Shabbos. So, if so, what is the uh, way that you're, what way, what sense is it considered a Shabbos? You're saying I'm counting six days, the seventh day is my Shabbos, but I'm still doing the bare malach I need for that day. So, why is it called Shabbos? Because I make Kiddush and Abdullah that day. That's the concept of Shabbos. Comes along Rav and says another important important yisod. Sometimes you may have lost track of the day, but you didn't completely lose lost track of the day. Well, lose track. Why? Because I'm traveling and I know at least that it's how many days it's been since my of my journey. I had seven days of my journey, eight days, six days. So that's the point. So the point is, if I know which day my journey was started began on, then I at least I just don't know what day of the week that was. So then I do know the, on the week-versary of that day that that day must have not been Shabbos because I certainly did not start my journey 
on Shabbos. That I know for a fact. I don't know which day it was. May have been Sunday. May have been Friday. But it's certainly not Shabbos. So therefore, every seven days on that day, it's going to be... So the eighth day from the day I left, which and, and, and so on every seven days, that day um, will definitely be a weekday. Every other day is a Suffolk Shabbos, and therefore I'm, but that day I'm allowed to do as many malachas as I want. That is what we, we, we're saying here. Now, um, so the Gemara says, of course, that is not obvious. I, I know that that's not, that's for sure not, that day is definitely not Shabbos. So of course I can do whatever I want. That day and as many malachas as I want. The answer is, but it's fascinating to think about it, but basically this person who's living in the desert is going to look like he basically has one day weekday and every other day Shabbos, except for whatever is the bare minimum. And it would sound, it seemed to me that if he's able to prepare on that one day enough food and enough malachos to be able to survive every other day and keep Shabbos every other day, then maybe that is what he would be obliged to do, which is fascinating. So he'll have one day of work and seven days of Shabbos, six days of Shabbos. But anyway, it's just fascinating to think about it. But the bottom line is, is that the Chiddush here is, is that we do only have one day. And you cannot make an assumption that he did not leave on a Friday as well and, have, and then grant him two days out of the week because the bottom line is there is no guarantee it could be any other day of the week that he went on his journey because even though most of the time you don't start the journey on a Friday, but if there's a caravan going, you may just end up going on the caravan even though it's a Friday. And if you lost track which day of the week it is, all bets are off, and we are cautious that maybe you did leave on a Friday, and therefore we're not even going to give you basically two days and say that at best, you know, uh, the, 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 the day that I left and the next day is probably allowed. You're right, maybe it's most likely true that I did not leave on a Friday, but it's not 100%, and therefore we only give you the one day and no more than that. And that is the story with that. Okay. Took us to the next little piece. Um, they're talking about the uh, Mishnah of the. He knows about Shabbos, and he didn't know about uh, about the Malachos. So it changes in terms of how many carbonos you're gonna have to bring. If you forgot about Shabbos, then you bring one carbon. If you forgot about the Malachos, but I knew about Shabbos, then for each Malach, I'm gonna have to bring a separate carbon. And the question is, where do we see this distinction? So the Gemara says it's actually indicated in the text. On the one, there's one passage that says V'shomer B'nei Yisrael es ha-shabos, and then it says es shabsosai tishmoru. So the concept is uh, Rav Nachman and the name of Rabbi Barvoa is that basically when it says Shabbos singular, so that means it's like one Shabbos for all of them. So therefore, I'm only going to be chayv one even for multiple Shabbosos. And when it says es shabsosai tishmoru, that means each and every Shabbos has its own chayv, and therefore I'm going to be chayv for multiple Shabbosos. And that's uh, going to be in the case where I basically forgot about, I, uh, I, I, I forgot about, I remember the concept of Shabbos, I just forgot that this day is Shabbos, and then we consider it, each Shabbos is broken up. That's the basic idea for that. Uh, Rav Nachbar Yitzchak actually says that it makes more sense the other way around. Shabbos Tishmoru means a single Shmirah for many Shabbosos, which would imply one Korban for multiple Shabbosos. And the other case of Shabbos is each Shabbos is its own Chiyav, so he reads, they're not arguing, they're just arguing in where you learn out each side from, and that is really where we left off yesterday. We're going to stop for a few over here.